Well, good morning, dear friends. I pray that your eyes are open to what God is doing. I pray that your ears are open to what he wants to say to you today. And I pray that your heart is open and positioned toward him. We're going to talk a little bit about the spotless lamb of God. Over 2,000 years ago, on a night that seemed just like any other night, Jesus, the spotless lamb of God, was preparing to present himself as the long-promised and and, and prophesied sin offering. With his precious sacrifice, he would thus bring an end to the system of types and ceremonies that up to that point in history had pointed to his death. He went into an upper room of a home and he ate a Passover meal with his 12 closest disciples. And the Passover was ordained as a commemoration of the greatest deliverance for the children of Israel when God freed them from centuries of bondage to Egyptian slavery. Jesus was then instituting a new ordinance called the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper. And little did the disciples know, little did they comprehend at the time that this new ordinance was to commemorate another great deliverance, but this time, not just of a small people group, but the deliverance of humanity from the power of sin and death. A deliverance that came as a result of Christ's death and resurrection. Jesus's final meal with his disciples, though, it was, it was marred by a dispute, a dispute amongst them over who would be regarded as greatest in the coming kingdom. Now, you know, if we can say any, anything good for them here, it's that they had faith in this new coming kingdom. They believed that it was going to happen. Maybe a little confusion of how that would play out and how it might look. But for the last time before his death, Jesus stressed to his confused disciples that what is counted as greatness in the empires of this world is not what is counted as greatness in the kingdom of God. Caesar and all his successors measured greatness by power. Power to kill, power to obtain, and power to control. But things are different in the kingdom of Christ. Greatness is now measured by love, Humility and service, service to others. What I find even more interesting is that there was a betrayer in the midst of this intimate gathering. Judas was sitting at the Passover table, and even while being in the midst of the very Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world, he was brooding in his heart and in his mind with dark purposes and selfish motivations. 
Yet Jesus allowed him to sit and to eat. Jesus was not caught off guard. Jesus wasn't surprised. He could read Judas's heart, and he knew his wrong intentions. Yet Jesus still allowed Judas to eat. Think about that, dear friends. Jesus knew. Jesus knew. He goes into that room with his disciples, and he knows that he's going to be betrayed. He knows that it is Judas who will turn against him. He knows that he has been sold out for a small bag of silver coins, stabbed in the back by the one that he had spent years pouring his life into. Yet in that room, hours before the death of Jesus, Judas ate too. Jesus fed Judas too. Jesus prayed for Judas too. And not only that, but after the meal, Jesus then got up from the table and and he wrapped a towel around himself. He then took a wash basin full of water and took on the role of a humble servant. And then he washed his disciples' feet and he washed Judas's feet too. I sometimes struggle to fathom that kind of love. A love that would feed the mouth that deceived you, that spoke against you. A love that would wash the dirty feet of a traitor. A love that could forgive even the vilest of betrayals. It's hard to imagine offering that kind of forgiveness and mercy to someone. Yet, that's what we find in the biblical account. We find it right there in Scripture. Jesus chose to love Judas. And if we're honest, in one way or another, we're all kind of like Judas too. We've all got a past. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've done things that we may feel unworthy of forgiveness for. But unlike the heart of fallen humanity, God chose to forgive us. And not when we came groveling to him in our our feelings of guilt and shame. No, the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's knowing his love and accepting his forgiveness that leads us to confess and to repent. Romans 2, 4 states that it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. It's his love that transforms us renewing our hearts and our minds. But it's still up to us whether we believe and accept it. Will we accept it? And so with that in mind, it's an incredible feeling knowing that Judas ate too. Jesus washed Judas's feet too. 
Yet it's incredibly sad to know that Judas rejected the grace and forgiveness that he was being offered. Our tender and loving Savior, our long-suffering Savior, extended every opportunity for this betrayer to receive him, to repent, and to be cleansed from every defilement of sin. I pray that none of us follow after Judas and reject the wooing of God on our hearts. Jesus chose to extend forgiveness, love, and acceptance to Judas by washing his feet. Jesus was modeling, not just talking about his new kingdom, but modeling his new kingdom's version of greatness when he washed his disciples' feet there at the last Supper, And this is our privilege and our joy to partake in doing the same. In the eyes of the world, in the eyes of society, in the eyes of what we're used to, washing someone's feet, sure, it might seem a little strange, a little bit weird, but we're following the example of our Savior. And I think there's something powerful in that. There's something meaningful in that. So as we are about to separate, to follow Jesus' example and play the role of a servant to one of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, I, I pray that you just take a moment and search your heart. Search that new heart that God gave you. That heart that is no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. And what that means is that this this heart, if you listen to this new heart that God has placed in you, you feel drawn to good works. You You feel drawn to obedience of Christ. You feel drawn to righteousness and service to others. Listen to that new heart that God gave you. So I, wanna, I just want to create space for one minute of silence for you to commune with your heavenly father. Ask his spirit to reveal to you if you are harboring any sort of hatred, unforgiveness, or judgment toward yourself or to someone else. And as your feet are washed, and as you wash someone else's feet, even if they aren't the one that you have something against, I want you to imagine all of these negative feelings or emotions falling into that water. Not to be picked up again. Part of believing God when he three times in Romans 6 tells you that you are free from sin also means that you are free from the bondage and pain that anger, unforgiveness, and gossip bring. In the spirit, you are free to love, to forgive, and to build up all in the name of Christ. And so let's allow God to speak to us and uncover the deepest recesses of our hearts, our new hearts that he has given to us. So I just want to extend 60 seconds of silence just between you and your God, you and your heavenly father.
Amen. Amen.